0: Good morning, good morning Rabotai, welcome to Breakfast in the Class. Breakfast in the Class today is uh, sponsored and dedicated in loving memory of Joe Doerr, Allah Vashalom Lillian Yosef, Ben Mordechai, uh, and Kenya, uh Allah Vashalom by Claudia, and Marcus Doerr and family. And as well, dedicated in honor of Daniel Braver, Dov Ben Shmuel, on the occasion of his birthday on Shavuot by his brother Jonathan Braver from Australia. Wow. Land Down Under, brilliant. A week of kohbrew as well as dedicated loving memory of Moshe Rabbeinu. Sponsored by his wife Yvette and children. Okay, so we have a very interesting, uh, we have a very interesting halacha, which I think teaches a tremendous lesson. There's a machloket between two opinions in the Gemara. What happens if a person would like on the holiday to spend the day uh, focused only on tefillah, only on prayer, only on kavanot, connecting with God? Uh, Should a person do that or not? You have one opinion that says, you know, your person needs to focus on, on the food and on the drink and on the enjoyment. And one opinion says, no, you could even have, a person could enjoy themselves instead by going to the Beit Midrash by praying, doing all sorts of spiritual pursuits is also a person is mekayim. They fulfill their obligation on the holiday. However, says the Gemara, very strange statement, even though there's this, there's this disagreement, whether or not the physical enjoyment is good or the spiritual enjoyment is good enough, hakol modim, everyone agrees, de that on Shabuot, ba'inan nami lachem. We require... Also, Lachem for you. That means that although there's a disagreement as to whether or not a person can fulfill their obligation with everything else, okay? When it comes specifically to the holiday of Shavuot, everyone agrees that it's not enough to just do the spiritual pursuits, to to, uh, to do Lachem for God. Ba'ina nami Lachem. We also need you to have some level of of enjoyment for you in other words on a physical level and all the commentators per Echad with one mouth ask the same question of all the holidays that one would imagine that a person should be able to fulfill their obligation with pure spirituality it would have to be the holiday of Shavuot Sukkot ce- celebrates you know the fact that we were protected in the huts or protected by the Ananiya Pesach celebrates our emancipation from uh, from Egypt but Shavuot represents our receiving of the Torah. So if ever there was a holiday that we should have an, uh, at least an opinion, one opinion, that you should be able to fulfill it only with spiritual pursuits, it should be this one. And the Gemara says, no, it's not true. That you must have a physical component on Shavuot. You have to enjoy the meal, have the basar the v'yayin, Enjoy the cheesecake, obviously not at the same time, right? Etc. Etc. How could such a thing be? And Rashi says on those words, anamilachem," on the day that the Torah was given, we are required to celebrate. My friends, there's a unbelievable lesson that is hiding in these words, which also gives us a little bit of homework to do to be able to get into the zone for this holiday. And I always think to myself, that on some level, when it comes to Shavuot, we are being told uh, a counterintuitive truth. You know, the holiday of Shavuot is not like Pesach, and it's not like uh, Sukkot. Sukkot references that which is necessary to do on the holiday, sitting in the Sukkah, that which is the reason for the holiday, because, you know, Hashem sat us in booths, or Hashem sat us in the Anani Pesach re- represents what we have to do on the holiday by mentioning what exactly Pesach is about, that God jumped over the homes of the Jewish people, singling us out and expressing His love for us in, uh, in identifying each and every Jewish home and saying, this home deserves to be spared. This home is worthwhile. Mashi'enke Shavuot, Shavuot, what does it literally mean? It means weeks. It doesn't describe The day itself, it doesn't describe the holiday itself, it speaks of all of the weeks that preceded, the weeks that were counted before it, indicating to us that when it comes to Shavuot, more important than the day is the preparation for the day, because we're calling the culmination of the counting, what are we calling it? We're calling it weeks, we're giving the holiday itself the name of the preparation, Imagine a birthday party, or a wedding anniversary. Imagine calling that holiday, Party Planner. It's weird. The Party Planner is only valuable in and of as much as the fact that they've planned the party, but the party is about something else. The Party Planner is planning a wedding. The Party Planner is planning a birthday. Party Planner is planning an anniversary. To call the day party planning would be ridiculous. And yet, on a certain level, that's what we're calling Shavuot. We're calling it weeks. So the preparation for Torah, the hachanot that we make, are as important as the day itself. And what could that possibly mean? You know, our rabbis teach us that each and every year when a person receives the Torah they aren't receiving a remembrance of the Torah from long ago rather they are receiving the Torah anew so in other words it's not that we celebrate the day that we got the Torah it's that we're celebrating the day that we get the Torah in the Beracha on on, uh, Torah what do we say Baruch Ata Amunayi Noten Torah. Why don't we say Baruch Ata Amunayi Natan Natan means God gave the Torah Noten mean, means God is actively involved in giving it That means that we all understand that on a certain level we get to decide on a daily basis whether or not we want to follow in the ways of Torah That's a decision that we internally and in our lives we make. Do we want to receive the Torah? Do we want to carry out the Torah? But Notena Torah? Let me give you an example of the way we most of us think of Kabbalah Torah. And hopefully the class today will address and perhaps reroute that understanding. There are two fathers a father that decides that the day that he passes away his entire trust will revert or shift to his children on the day of his death there's a transfer he has four children each one of his children gets 25% of his money it arrives in their bank account the day he dies the will is executed The money is there. Now imagine I receive or you receive 25%, whatever percentage you are of your children, of your inheritance from your father, from your grandfather. The money is all in your account. You might not spend it at one shot, but it's all there. You have another father who does something very different. What does he do? He sets up the transfer of the funds in the inheritance that it stays in the trust, and that each month or each time you use the credit card, it draws that money anew from the trust. Nothing is in your account. What's the difference between these two approaches? In one case, there's one act of giving. There's one point of contact between son and father. And after that, It's a very large point of contact, involves a lot of money, but after that, all of the money is mine. That is not how God gave the Torah. God did not natan ha-Torah. God notend ha-Torah. Every time you come to make a withdrawal, God is there handing it to you. There is an infinite number of points of contact that you can make with the infinite Boreh Olam. It's there every time you receive the Torah. The Mishnah and Abur tells us that if a person is studying Torah with 10 people, how do we know that the Shekhinah is there with them? Brings a Pasuk. How do we know if there's this amount of people? How do we know if two people are learning together Shekhinah? How do we know that if a person is sitting and studying Torah by himself, that the Shekhinah is there studying Torah with him? Mishnah brings a Pasuk. What that means is that in 2022, or in 1022, or in 022, or in negative 122, from the time of Matan Torah, each time we go to the well and we draw Torah from the well, we are interacting with God Himself. But, my friends, The power of the Torah and its effect upon us is directly dependent on how much we understand that we are drawing from a well of the infinite wisdom of God Himself. Some people think that the Ten Commandments are the Ten Suggestions. And therefore, they study Torah, they learn Torah, I don't know if I get around to it. You know, maybe, maybe not. I like this mitzvah, I don't like that one. When you read the label on a medicine, and the medicine has a skull and crossbones. And it says, do not under any circumstances take this medicine with cheese. Who's the diblets going to eat it with cheese? Nobody. Because you believe the label on the medicine bottle. You believe it. You know that it's dangerous. I'm not going to do it. The Torah is not giving you suggestions. It's not some nice thing that maybe is true, maybe isn't. And if you relate to it that way, you rob the Torah of its transformative power. So one of the most important things a person can do when they study Torah is to remember... I'm literally receiving this Torah, this wisdom, in this moment, from God Himself. Noten HaTorah. You're reading Sammy in the Sefer, and God is reading His words with you. It's a wild thing. Who's your Somech? Not Shmuel. Not Haron. HaKadosh Baruch Himself. Wild. perhaps rerouting of the way we think of Torah helps us understand this machloke, excuse me, this chidush in the Tanaim. The Tanaim are telling us something very powerful. They're telling us that we could stomach any other holiday being a purely spiritual holiday. Not this one. The one that should be the most spiritual you can't on this one, on this one, only on this one. You must have meat, wine. You must feast. You must enjoy. Why? So everyone out here has done a little business in their life, right? And sometimes, when you want to do a little bit of business, there's someone you have to sell. You gotta go to the guy you gotta you know sweet talk him you gotta wine and dine him you gotta explain to him why the de- doing the deal with you is in his best interest right but there's sometimes that you're doing a deal and the deal is not with one person it's with a partnership there's two people in a on deal one guy can't wait to close the deal Hada uh, he's already spending his money from the deal He can't sell fast enough. Unfortunately, there's another partner who doesn't want to sell under any circumstances. What would you do? You present to him all the logical reasons, nothing works. There's a reason why there's such a thing as a business dinner. Why you can expense... Taking a client out to reserve cut. There's a reason for that. What's the reason? Because more business gets done on those tables, you know, in a nice restaurant with a cup of wine, right? A nice glass of whatever they have in those cabinets, right? More business gets done there sometimes than in the office. Why is that? Why do we take clients out? Why do we wine and dine them? You want to impress them, feel good. You want to impress them? more than that. Huh? You want to sell them, feel good. You make them feel good. Camaraderie. A sense of connection. If you don't wine and dine them, they feel. I'll sell it to someone else. I don't really love this guy. Too cold. Also, they're in a very kind of their position is in lockdown. The wine and dine says. There's something here that makes me want to do the sale. I want to do, and I want to sell it to this guy. Isn't that interesting? So you broke bread together. Now you're ready to do talk business. Fascinating. My friends, a human being is exactly like that. There's two partners. And God, and opportunities, and our wives, and our children, and our community come and they want us to give them time, money, effort, connection, mitzvot, Torah. And one of the partners the Yetzir is like, where do I sign? Amen. You don't need to wine and dine the Yetzir Tob. But the Yetzir needs to be wined and dined. He's not on board. Sed HaKol modim Everyone agrees on Shavuot. Ba'inan He needs to understand that if he does business with you, dinners here, they're going to happen on the regular. The Yetzirah needs to understand that if he allows himself to come on this journey of Torah and mitzvot, there's some good meat in it for him. Some delicious wine. An extraordinary Cheesecake. Got that? This is going to be enjoyable. So, when you have a big class and you invite lots of uh, singles or young professionals to come and you put out a big spread, what are we doing? Why don't we just tell the guy, come, if you're interested in truth, come learn Torah? You're not interested in truth, you're interested in <laughs> pizza, get lost. Why do you have a lunch and learn? We invite people to Shabbat dinner in the synagogue. The answer is we need to wine and dine the Yetzirah. There's a part of each of us that hesitates to take that step forward wherever we are on the ladder. To go up one rung. The Yetzirah needs to be convinced this is good for me too. Not hashtag, different thing. You got me? Hakol modim. So in every scenario, in each and every year, Bore Olam is offering us the chance once again, Zman Matan Toratenu, Hashem says, I'm here, I'm ready, I'm giving, do you want it? In every interaction in truth, we are either accepting Torah and God's dominion over the world, or we are rejecting it. But never more so than on the holiday of Shabuot itself, which is the time in history's uh, you know uh, cycle, there's a synchronicity between this moment and the moment way back when. Which is why we play out this idea of staying up all night so that we can be ready in the morning. Like the Jewish people were sleeping through the night, they were supposed to be up early in the morning. To be able to go and greet God And make that decision and receive the Torah So we reset the table We turn back the clock And we show up in the morning And God is there yet again asking us And what is your answer going to be? Are you ready to whip out another na'asev and Ishmael Like we once did? Or are you not ready? In order to make yourself ready There's an unwilling partner That we need to grease the wheels a little someone explained to me rabbi uh, we moved so we need to find parking and every every garage is full so I said to someone I said uh, I can't believe all the garages are full he goes the garages are not full he says you have to grease the manager true. if you don't floose the manager if you don't pay him a couple hundred dollars oh we're full our lot is we have no room you know why Because if you don't give him that money, he'll wait for the next boon to come along. He'll give him... That guy will pay him the rent just like you're going to pay for the parking. And he's going to give him a couple hundred bucks. I never thought that I... that the mafia... of the word mafia and garage in the same sentence. You know? But that is how it is. There's a sign on the wall that says, this is how much it costs to park here. But you don't know that there's an additional cost. The marriage is special, special, exactly. Do you understand that? There is an unwilling participant that needs to be helped to the ball. And my friends, it's not just on the night of Shavuot that this is something we need to bear in mind. It's something that we need to bear in mind all year round. If our Judaism is not joyous, it's not happy, it's not full of light, it feels heavy and duty-bound and onerous, then you know what happens? The unwilling partner carries enough weight in the conversation that the deal doesn't get done. Even though your neshama is desperate to do business, Hada shuts it down. So what is the job therefore of preparing for Hagashavuot? What is the job of preparation? I'd like to share, and I'll end with this, what I think is the secret to a life of committed Judaism versus everything else. You know, I wish you love and happiness, right? I wish you the best marriage in the world. I wish you the best relationships with your children in the world. But the reality is that everybody goes through rocky times, right? What do you need to do in the rocky times in order to be able to put in the effort to make your marriage great again? To make your relationship with your kids great again? What do you need to do? There's really one thing that's more important than anything else, and that is to remember why you love them in the first place. Yeah, you can focus on all the reasons why you don't like them right now, but the only way you'll put in the work, the only way that's gonna get better is if you remember why you fell in love with them in the first place. What is the trick to being able to live a life of joyous Judaism, it's remembering what you fell in love with in the first place. So my friends, if I asked you if you're happy that you're Jewish, all of you would say yes. But the reason why you're happy that you're Jewish, for all of you, is actually probably not the same. For some of you, your favorite mitzvah in the world is Shabbat. For some of you, you have ADHD, you're attached to your phone. You do Shabbat, but it's not easy. What do you love? You love prayer. That ability to connect to borel, Olav, to ask him for what I need, that's your jam. For someone else, it might be, you know, the mitzvah of tzedakah. For someone else, it might be acts of chesed. I'm a very active guy. I feel feel great about myself when I'm doing acts of chesed. Praying, not so much. Another guy loves learning. He's a super intellectual academic guy, and the Torah is a wellspring. It's the gift that keeps on giving. Everybody loves their Judaism for a different reason. Understanding that Kabbalah Torah is dependent on that reason. Let's go back to our Mashal. You want to sell the guy, you want to close the deal. So what do you need to do? You're going to bring up to the guy all the reasons that he doesn't care about Torah, or you're going to bring up all the reasons why he should close the deal. Imagine you tell the guy, you take him out the reserve cut. You want to buy the building. You tell him, look, if you sell the building, you have no more upside from this building. That's a dumb argument. You tell the guy, if you sell the building, you know, uh, you, 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 your, your money is going to be in cash. It's going to be very hard to buy something else in this market. Bad argument. You want to give him an argument that works for? For him. So when we think about what it means to say to God on Shavuot, Gimme! I want it! Sign me up! We need to revisit, to taste, to remind ourselves, to connect with the reason why we love our Judaism. This needs to turn into a feast, into a celebration, something where you're partying, where you're enjoying, where you're even your hara says, you know what? I got to give you that one. Shabbat is awesome. Hands up. So my friends, at some stage before Shavuot comes in on Saturday night, have this conversation with yourself. And Be'ezat Hashem, Be'ezat Hashem, we will be Zochem. To receive Torah with a depth and with a conviction and with a connection, which will allow us all year to skate by on the power of that Notenah Torah. Be'ezat Hashem will recognize the godliness in each encounter of learning Torah, of Ma'asim Tovim, how we are connecting with God in that very moment. We will feel that power running through, surging through our neshama. It will elevate us. It will uplift us. It will allow us to rise above the mundane concerns of what we're going through on that given day. And with that, will be To all the berachot ba-Torah, to all of the uh, promises that HaKadosh Baruch Hu makes to us surrounding this, uh, this idea of receiving the Torah and, and working hard towards towards it, I am the world. Shabbat shalom. Shabbat